Welcome to the Vol Bros. My name is Evan. This is my brother, Rustin, who is the president of the Danny White Fan Club. And we are two Vol Bros who are actually bros in real life. And I'm just starting to get better at saying that correct each time. <laughs> um, side note, I still love, we have like the best intro music of any show, in my opinion. It's just awesome. Uh, tonight, the Lady Vols. Not very close game. Uh, <laughs> kudos to them. Uh, they advanced to their 36th Sweet 16. That is the most of any program, men's or women's, in the history of college basketball. So to say that that is a momentous occasion would be an understatement. That is, they literally made history tonight. Uh, that is very exciting. So congratulations to Kelly Harper and her entire team. Um, if I don't, don't even know if they watch this, probably not. But if they do, congratulations to you, ladies. Of course they do. That's the Vol Bros. Of course they watch it. So congratulations to them. Uh, super excited. Uh, Zach was already pumped and ready to go. Zach, you were the man. He said, "Lady, he was." He commented before we even went live. He was the man. He <laughs> said, "Lady, all sports are kicking the men's up and down." Um, I think Zach might be thinking about the baseball team when he says that. Um, we'll talk about that kind of in passing <laughs> uh, later on. We'll mention what happened with the baseball team later. But uh, rest in immediate takeaways from what the Lady Vols did on the court this evening. Not just this evening, but the whole the whole weekend. Um, point. I I have never seen a team so dominant in in an opening round and second round of an NCAA tournament. It, it was just it was unbelievable. I mean, you're you're watching the first half tonight, going, "How on earth did Toledo beat Iowa State?" Yeah. But then you, the closer you watch the game and the more you pay attention, it's you're just sitting there going. Toledo is actually not bad. We're just this much better right now. Um, it's just amazing how well they're playing. They're peaking at the right time. Um, yeah. I think the thing that should have Virginia Tech most terrified is that we had 11 different girls score tonight, five in double figures, and there were three others that almost made it into double figures. And Rakia Jackson and Jordan Horston didn't lead us in scoring tonight. So... I totally agree. If if you are any other team in the field, most obviously, most urgently, Virginia Tech, the thing that concerns you the most is that the Lady Vols, the last two games, have gotten to see the ball go through the net a lot. Uh, that does nothing but build confidence for shooters. And, you know, that's one thing that the Lady Vols could hang their hat on as far as like their game plan at the beginning of the year was we got a, a team full of shooters. And so that's why when, you know, there was, there were, stretches where they weren't hitting shots as well it was kind of shocking because it's a team full of shooters and man we saw that on full display tonight uh sarah puckett had three threes in the first half um i mean like it was seven seven different girls hit a three tonight yeah it was if you if you like offense and basketball it was the last two games were a clinic um one stat i saw and i, I haven't seen if it's been verified yet or not but one stat I saw was, you know, Rustin mentioned that this was essentially historic, that they um, had an average margin of victory of 46 points in the first two games of the tournament, first two rounds of the tournament. And prior to tonight, the the most average margin of victory of any Tennessee team in the first two games of the tournament was 41 points. Now, you stop and consider that. 
That means that this team, this Tennessee Lady Vols team, and and when you start thinking about the absolute legends of teams yeah. in the past, especially the 98 team, uh, that 98 team was unreal, man. Uh, Ace Clement, Kelly Jolly. I mean, like you just you just start naming off the list, you know, Samika Randall, all these people, you start naming them off. And that team was incredible. Okay. That team didn't do what this team has done. The nearest, it was either, I think it was 2003 was the team that had the, the most, the closest average margin of victory. And that was 41 points. So this team beat that record by five. So, I mean, that's incredible what they've done. Uh, Zach, I, I got it. He was, he was, he was referring to the, uh, the baseball team. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, PVP said, let's go Vols. Hey, PVP, welcome. Uh, it's a new name to us. So we're glad you're with us. It's awesome. Looks like, it looks like Peyton Manning and the uh, Colts helmet there on the, uh, on the avatar. So I'm talking about eating my crow with hot sauce. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. It's good to see you. I love that. Zach said, what's up? Eat my crow as well. Uh, Zach said, yeah, Puckett, who would have thought of that? I get so mad at her every game, but not tonight. <laughs> Sarah Puckett's a really good player, and and she defers more than she should. Uh, I mean, there's a reason her nickname is Sarah Buckets. Um, she she's actually a really good shooter, and I think what's most frustrating about her is she just defers to everybody else almost every possession, and she needs to go out and look to score. She makes them a significantly better team when she's attacking the basket. Well, that first shot she made where she came around a screen, came off the screen looking for a shot and hit that three, man. That was beautiful. It, yeah. Her form, like her follow through on it. It was just pure. I mean, it was, it was a really great shot. So I asked, what's my, uh, I asked, uh, mm. eating my crow with hot sauce. What's up? And he said, inflation and UT sports. How about <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is, that is accurate. Uh, our, our uncle, what's up, uncle Dave? He said, congrats, lady balls. I just hope they're not blowing all the octane in their tanks in these first three. Rounds. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand that. Uh, the good news is they got to play everybody. So yeah, that was I mean, good. literally was the entire news. roster played tonight, and and multiple girls played more minutes than they've ever played. I mean, Edie Darby got three minutes tonight. She never gets that much. Um, yeah, that was that was huge for them, even just for depth reasons. Like if they can get if they can start bringing in people off the bench like they did tonight, and they're all making shots. Oh my goodness, that I mean, how, you can't beat that, and you know, and, and any any league um zach said just watching blue bloods and this hey i appreciate that we're competing with blue bloods isn't uh tom Selleck on that show isn't he on that show i think tom Selleck's on blue bloods uh we're we don't have a mustache like him but we, but uh he, he's got like the best mustache ever at least that's what my dad thinks um but or i guess it's rustin's dad too since we're brothers um but we just got really sidetracked real fast all right so yeah. back to lady vols basketball <laughs> Um, I mean, just a tremendous outing for them. Now they await to, to play Virginia Tech. I do not know if there has been a game time announced yet for that. Uh, do you know, Rustin, if there has been? I don't think so. Um, let me check and see. I think they were waiting till the UConn game ended tonight because that bracket's not complete. Well, that's yet. true. That's exactly so, that's a great point. Um, yep. Which, yeah. by the way, I was shocked that Tennessee got the 9 o'clock game the, the yeah. men's team, the men's team, because in that bracket in Tennessee men's bracket, you've got two games that are going to be in Madison square garden. One is Tennessee versus Florida Atlantic. The other one is Michigan state, um, versus, uh, Oh goodness. It just, I'm totally blanking. 
Kansas State. I couldn't think of it for a second. So Kansas State, Michigan State, you would think that would be the 9 o'clock late game, like the premier one. Uh-uh. They put Florida Atlantic and Tennessee as the 9 o'clock game, which kind of surprised me. Um, I mean, that's, I guess that's a, a nod to Tennessee as a, a nod of respect to them. Uh, maybe so, but maybe more so Florida Atlantic. Um, yeah, it's true, yeah. yeah. So Tennessee Virginia Tech will be a Saturday game, but they have not announced a time yet. Okay, that's good to know. So the Lady Vols will play Virginia Tech on Saturday. Uh, so what that means that our, now our hope is that there's going to be two Tennessee teams playing on Saturday, because if the men win Thursday night, then they're going to play Saturday as well. Yep. So the hope is there will be two teams playing. Uh, the Lady Vols will have to travel to Seattle to play Virginia Tech. Um, you know, a lot of times you say, man, that's rough having to travel across the country. Well, it won't be this time because the other team has to as well. So both teams are so, going to have to travel to three three time zones later than what they're normally used to. So weirdly, um, so at the end of the first quarter, Baylor's beating UConn by six. Um, but assuming UConn comes back and wins that game, weirdly all four teams going to Seattle are from the East coast. So you have to think that plays to the lady Vols advantage because UConn fans typically don't travel well, um, which is weird because of the history of their program, but they just don't. Um, Ohio state fans definitely aren't going to Seattle and Virginia, Virginia tech fans don't travel at all. So it's highly possible that the Lady Vol contingent might outnumber everybody else at that game. Um, that that could end up being a huge positive for for Tennessee. So obviously, you know, the the tournament uh, committee has gotten their wish, and there is a very distinct possibility you could have a Tennessee Lady Vol and UConn Husky Elite Eight matchup, which would be obviously what the the selection committee wants in that region oh yeah um but i mean and and what every tv station wants to espn wants that too um so just absolutely tremendous win um for the lady vols um you know i thought about talking about like player of the game play of the game i, I don't i can't really think of a play of the game but my player of the game would probably be sarah puckett because they need her to shoot the ball well they need her to score and the fact that she did that tonight like this was easily her best game and so um i mean my goodness like i said three threes in the first half you know and then she just hit more in the second so um that that was that was a big deal who would you say was your player of the game i thought sarah puckett played well um but i would have to give to jordan horston um jordan horston drew their best player um the girl ended up a 19 but it was the most quiet 19 you've ever seen and when Jordan got injured, that's when that girl scored the majority of her points. When Jordan was on the court, that girl didn't score hardly at all. And and when they couldn't run their off at the locket girl, when when they couldn't run their offense through her, they just fell apart. I mean, they they clearly had no idea what to do. And and Jordan just absolutely shut her down. It, it was like she wasn't even a player. Well, and once again, you know that that's a another reason why it was so good that Tennessee was able to play so many people uh, get so many minutes for people off the bench because they could rest some legs in the fourth quarter. 
yeah. I mean, I don't know if any starters were in the game for like the last four to six minutes of the game, you know, um, maybe even more than that. And so that was, a, that was a tremendous help to Tennessee in getting them a significant win. I mean, this is a, this is a positive all the way around. When you think about it, they set, they literally had a record breaking win. Um, they were able to rest people in the midst of that record breaking win. They had people coming off the bench who hadn't played in a while and they were hitting shots repeatedly getting to see the ball go through the nets. That is a huge deal psychologically. That is a huge deal for their confidence as shooters. So the whole team got to see the ball going through the nets repeatedly. They scored 90, 90 plus points in back-to-back games. That was incredible. Yep. So this was a tremendously positive weekend for the Lady Vols. <clears throat> um, Zach, uh, Zach asked, any chance Florida Atlantic beats Tennessee? I mean, I wouldn't overlook them. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, they've only lost three games the whole season. Now, I know they haven't played the same level of competition. But, I mean, they're they're good. I think Tennessee will win. They better win. If, if Tennessee comes out and plays defense like they did against Duke, no one's going to beat Tennessee. Let's, I mean, that's just the facts. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, man, if, if Florida Atlantic, they can shoot it. And if they get hot, that's why Tennessee's got to play great perimeter defense. Because, listen, wonder, Florida Atlantic is not going to beat Tennessee inside. That ain't happening. No. It's, if, if they do, it'll be from the perimeter. I want to publicly thank Dusty May for running his mouth in the press conference yesterday. Yeah. What was he um, thinking? You know, if if there was any way that they were going to sneak up and beat us, it was if they snuck in and, you know, came in quietly and jumped all over us early and turned it into a track meet. Well, when he sits there and runs his mouth about Australian football rules and rugby and all this stuff, thank <laughs> you Rick for Barnes that material. Today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Rick Barnes, so, Rick Barnes' answer today was perfect, but yeah, it was. Tell, by the way, Rick Barnes answered that comment is plastered all over their locker room. Yeah. I mean, if there's any question as to whether the Tennessee team has seen his, Dusty May's words now, there is no longer a question about it because Rick Barnes' comments today in his presser let everybody know, yeah, they're well aware of what was said. Um, I can't believe that. You're exactly right, Rustin. I cannot believe that, dude. I mean, he watched the game. Mm-hmm. He saw the intensity that Tennessee was playing with, and he had the I, – I don't want to say gall, but he it was just dumb. Like, he had the, the stupidity, he's, he's a I pretty, guess, to say that. He's a pretty arrogant dude. Like, you can watch his press conferences and his interviews, and he really thinks highly of himself. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be fun to go out there and play a little rugby with them. <laughs> well, and you know, they're going to now for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean, listen, size comparison, there is no comparison. Tennessee is going to dwarf them on the court. Well, even, and, even commentators who, you know, after the fact were at the Duke game, even they are commenting on how much bigger Tennessee was physically than Duke was. Now Duke has height, but everybody who was there has been talking about they were stunned at physically how much bigger Tennessee was than Duke. Yep. 
speaking of Tennessee basketball, it just so happens that this weekend on thevolbros.com, we launched a new product, our Mud Dwellers uh, t-shirt. And so if you want that on a t-shirt, it is available uh, in black. This is the, the comfort tee for $24.99 in black and white and gray. Uh, I, technically, it's heathered charcoal. So um, it's gray, basically. <laughs> I always Dark like gray. my charcoal heathered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Is there any other way to have your charcoal? <laughs> um, so you, you can find that for less than 25 bucks on uh, the volbros.com. Uh, but uh, back to Florida Atlantic and Tennessee, uh, eating my crow hot sauce said the CBN, CBS analyst said they're more skilled than us. Uh, so the here's CBS my take analysts on that. Also all picked Louisiana. So yeah, <laughs> um, here, here's my take on that. If what they mean, what probably, I mean, I'm sure what they mean by that is they have a bunch of guys that are good shooters uh, they love to pr- play from the perimeter. And so if you're looking at quantity of shooters, then yeah, they probably have more than Tennessee. But when you're looking at who can stop a, a, a lineup consisting of Adu, Plavšić, Awaka, Kamwa, Josiah Jordan-James, Julian Phillips, I mean, that's a lot of height that they cannot match up with. I mean, that's and just a lot that's of the reality of the situation and a lot of length. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the thing about those guys that people underestimate. Every one of those guys has insanely long arms, yeah, um, especially Julian Phillips mm-hmm. and a do. Yeah. But say Jonas, a might have the biggest wingspan on the team. Yep. Um, eating my crow, hot sauce also said, I'm taking that last second dunk as a miss, as sign as, as a miss, <laughs> uh, or a miss as a sign. He said, Florida Atlanta gets humbled in Madison Square Garden. Okay, so that's another another thing we kind of mentioned on the last show. Go ahead, Rustin, and then I'll say what I was thinking as well. That, that dude's lucky. Fairleigh Dickinson has some some pretty rough guys. When that dude tried to pull off that windmill dunk when everybody had stopped playing, that dude's lucky one of those Fairleigh Dickinson guys didn't take him down right there on the court. Yeah, what in the world was that dude thinking? I mean, I don't, I don't understand why he did that. Um, but so here's the deal. Fairly Dickinson, I would love to, after this, you know what we should do? We should find a photo of the gym that they play in. Uh, I would venture to guess it is nothing like Madison Square Garden. And so talk about being on Showtime. They're going to be on Showtime, man. Prime, the the primetime game, first round of the, the first night of the Sweet 16 in Madison Square Garden. Are the lights going to be too bright for him? Great question. Um, the depth, we talked about that in the past, the depth between, you know, if you're playing at Florida Atlantic's gym and the wall behind the, the backboard is maybe 20, 20 feet away, all of a sudden the wall behind the backboard is now 200 feet away in Madison Square Garden. That messes with your depth perception on the shooting. So, and, um, and also don't forget, this entire roster played in the garden last year. We had a game in New York City for Zakai last year in Madison Square Garden. Florida Atlantic team has never stepped foot in there. Our our players have shot in that gym already. Um, that's a great point. Uh, eating my crow hot sauce said we need a shirt that says defense travels. Hey, 
Your wish is my command, buddy. <laughs> I can I can whip that bad boy up tonight. Um, I can I can make that real quick. I already got an idea for what it could look like too. So I, I appreciate that <laughs> suggestion. That's good. I like that. Uh, Zach said, "Offense wins games. Defense wins championship. FAU got offense. Tennessee got defense." So once again, um, the game is going to be decided by Tennessee's perimeter defense. Yep. If Tennessee can make it difficult for them to shoot, so look for look for Jamai Meshack and Santiago Vescovi to be extremely active on the defensive end, uh, just like they were against Duke. Because if they can make it miserable for those guys shooting the ball, that listen they're not going to out-rebound Tennessee. It's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, my goodness, you can put Tobey Awaka in there and he can out-rebound Dennis Rodman. I mean, like, you know, like it's not – they're not going to out-rebound Tennessee. It just it just won't happen. Um, Eating my crow hot sauce was talking about Dusty May's coming. By the way, if, if anyone is unfamiliar, Dusty May is the head coach for Florida Atlantic University. And after their game against uh, FDU – he ended his press conference by saying, we're going to go watch some Australian rugby to get prepared for Tennessee. So I, I don't know why you would take a little jab at the team that you're about to play against and give them bulletin board material, but he chose to do so. So we'll see if it comes back to bite him. Um, but he micro with hot sauce said, I laughed when he said it talking about dusty May and thanked him for doubting us. Um, <laughs> Zach talking about Tobey's aggression. He said, Tobey Awaka eats the ball. <laughs> Vols time. Welcome, Vols time. Good to see you as well. Uh, he said, all I know now is the big orange is making orange juice again. Uh, 100 emoji. I mean, they're, they're playing really, really well. Lady Vols and men. Um, let's see. Uh, Eating my crow hot sauce said, uh, uh, Tennessee has, I think he's talking about how Tennessee has, or maybe he said Dusty May said it because of pride, or he might be referring to Tennessee playing with prime. Um, uh, Zach said of all time. Yes. Orange juice, never Gatorade. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, speaking of Gatorade, I'm sure we've all seen the, uh, the commercials for Gator light, uh, with, uh, uh, what's his face? I can't think of his name. Oh goodness. I can't think of his name. Guy for the Celtics. He played at Duke. Jason Tatum. Jason I couldn't Tatum. think of his name. So I'm sure we've all seen those commercials, and I'm sure we all saw what Grant Williams, how he, uh, as Jason Tatum was getting on the bus, the team bus, he had uh, Grant Williams had Rocky Top playing on his phone as he walked by <laughs> after the game on Saturday. That was pretty good. Um, and then followed him down the bus, playing Rocky Top right behind him the whole way down the bus. Um, so we did say we were going to mention it in passing because last time we were live on Saturday night, it was asked, will Tennessee's baseball team drop in the standings after losing on Friday night? And at that point we said, well, not if they win the series, it all depends on what happened on Sunday. Well, they did not win the series. In fact, they got swept. Um, it was not a good, not a good weekend for them. And unfortunately the games weren't very close either. And so that was, that was, you know, disheartening to see. Uh, hopefully they can bounce back from that. I do think they will fall. Um, actually, what's interesting is uh, Stephen, I do not know his last name, how to, how to pronounce it. It's like S-C-H-O-O-H or something like that. I don't know how to pronounce it. He is, it's Big Donkey 74 or something like that on Twitter. Um, he's a former pitcher uh, 
or in his bio, it says th- former thrower of baseballs. <laughs> yeah, he pitched uh, in Virginia. Yep. He has probably one of the top two greatest post-game interviews ever at the College World Series. Um, it, it was incredible. He, he was talking about like he'd like to live in a cave and stuff. I mean, it was just bizarre, all the stuff he was saying in his post-game interview. But he is a tremendous follow on Twitter, especially for college baseball. And he tweeted out a graphic that was really interesting. I hope he does it every single week. But he took the top 25. This He tweeted out uh, late yesterday evening or maybe this morning. I can't remember. But he took the top 25. And he had a graphic that showed what happened to each team in the top 25 this past weekend. Ten of the top 25 teams lost their series this weekend, including number two and three, Tennessee and Ole Miss. Uh, both of them got swept this weekend. Ole Miss got swept by Vanderbilt, who was number six, and Tennessee got swept by Missouri. Um, there was another team that got swept as well, but um, it was very, it was a really interesting graphic. Uh, Vols Tom said Charles Barkley needs to drink some of that orange juice. Yeah, <laughs> or he, he did, didn't he? He sure did after that game. He said they were awesome after their games Saturday. Um, so. Unfortunately, the Vols will fall in the rankings. It is yet to be seen how far. They came um, out tonight. They're number 12. Oh, they did? See, I missed it. I didn't yep. even see it. Um, of course, <laughs> that's the thing. There's like 47 different uh, top, top 25s in college baseball. You would think eventually yeah. they have a consensus on that. Um, yeah, it was the one that came out tonight was the NCAA Division One baseball poll. Um, it's the one that they typically yeah. – do most of the seeding for the postseason off of. Um, so it's always the first one that comes out. So now we know now they're number 12. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I venture to guess Vanderbilt's probably in the top five now, if I had yep. to guess, because they swept Ole Miss, who was at number three. Um, uh, Zach said, dang that far. I thought they were dropping not that far. Yeah, I understand. If they had won, if they had won one of three, they would have stayed in the top ten. Because they got swept, they fell out of the top ten. Uh, he said softball should be number one. Yeah, that's. I think that's totally fair. Uh, softball, they're killing it, man. They are tearing it up. It's it's incredible what they've done so far this season. Vanderbilt moved up to number four. Ole Miss dropped all the way to thirteen. Yep, that doesn't surprise me. Um. Yeah, I mean, when you think about Tennessee sports right now, softball and baseball both tearing it up, doing well. I mean, I know baseball got swept this weekend. I get that. But, I mean, they're still a really good team. And that pitching staff isn't going to let that happen every every weekend. We all know that. Um, Then you think about men's and women's basketball. My goodness, what a time to be a Vols fan. Uh, And let's not forget the swimming and dive team. They're still setting, like, winning medals and stuff in national competition. We didn't talk about this, but I did some research today because everybody keeps saying everything's school. And and I was just curious, okay, just how good is Tennessee against the rest of the country in everything? So can I take a couple of minutes and read this to you? Because it's pretty it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, please do. So football finished the year number six in the country. Baseball's currently number twelve. Um, women's tennis is currently number 12 men's tennis is currently number 18 
men's track finished the indoor season number nine in the country and dylan jacobs was named the indoor men's athlete of the year women's track finished number 19 in the country indoor um, volleyball finished just outside the top 25 they finished fourth in the sec got an at-large bid to the ncaa tournament and um, are definitely on the rise softball is currently number two in the country Women's soccer finished in the top 25 that they have. They're like baseball. They've got like 18 different polls. So every one of them is different. Um, men's and women's basketball are both going to the sweet 16 men's golf. It, uh, finished the season number 14 in America. I'll come back to women's golf in a second because that one's interesting. Women's swim and dive finished number 10 in the country. Men's swim and dive finished number seven in the country. Rowing is number 19 in the country. So for those of you who couldn't keep track of all that, that's every sport Tennessee offers in the either finish the year in the top 25 or currently in the top 25 are uh, 14 of the 16 sports. The two that didn't finish in the top 25 are volleyball who were receiving votes for the top 25 and are currently on the rise and women's golf who finished the fall number 44 in the country. But two years ago, Danny White went out and hired Deanna Contu, who was tearing it up in the Big Ten, former Lady Vol, brought her back to Knoxville to resurrect the program. And in two years, they've gone from not very good to finishing number 44 in the country. And they have a girl who won multiple tournaments this year and was named SEC Golfer of the Week multiple times. So this is year two for her. So you would have to think next year they'll continue to grow and they'll probably be in the top 25 next year as well. And volleyball probably will move, continue to move up and they'll finish in the top 25. So 14 out of 16 sports in the top 25, two very close. And next year you have to expect that all 16 will be in the top 25. I don't think there's anybody else in the country that can compare to that. There can't be. There just absolutely can't be. That's that's phenomenal. I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you can be proud to be a Vols fan. I mean, that is amazing. You mentioned indoor track. What did they finish? Men's indoor track? Um, number nine. Number nine. So I, it was, I, I don't know if it was like a, I don't think it was like a world record, but I'm pretty sure it was an NCAA record that I saw. They had a dude. He won the national championship in the five yeah. indoor five k. That was Dylan Jacobs. Yeah, he ran a five k in like thirteen minutes and some change. Yeah, that's He's, insane. <laughs> that's the guy that was named national indoor athlete of the year. He he was ranked the number one runner in America. I mean, I, when I read that, I was like, "There's no way." Like that. I mean, when you stop and think about it, a five k is three point one miles. He ran it in 13 minutes and some change. Okay, I'm trying to do fast math, but that's like four minutes and some change per mile. That is nuts. I don't I mean, drop that, that is, fast. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's insane. Four, four minutes and some change per mile for three miles. I mean, that is like booking it the whole yep. way. That's incredible. Um, so, let's see here. 
I, I would, have, I would, I would put that up against anybody in the country. I, I don't think there's anybody in America that can say they're having that kind of success across the entire athletic department. Totally agree. I've also said Danny White could become the best athletic ten- director Tennessee ever had. I totally agree, based on what we've seen in the first few years. He might already be. Yeah, he might be. It's a good point. I mean, I, I don't think there's ever been a time in the history of Tennessee athletics where that many teams are having that much success all at the same time. Um, I would be curious if somebody wanted, I mean, nobody has enough time to do this, but if somebody wanted to do just a look at the SEC over the course of the conference, I would be curious if any team has ever done this in the entire conference. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I love Zach. I love his, his optimism. And he said, football's winning a natty this coming year too. That's right, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. You, you got that right, Zach. Uh, I love this one too. In my crow house, I said, where's our ROTC right <laughs> Probably the, I mean, They don't count. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Some of the other questions that came through, Zach had a really good one because uh, he asked this a couple weeks ago. He asked the I'm question about who wins the first national championship between yeah. Tony, Hype, Rick Barnes, and Kelly. So that's a great question. Um, man. <laughs> Uh, so I think both of us, the last time Zach asked this, I think both of us said Tony Vitello mm-hmm. and it's because of his pitching staff. Um, yeah. and I'll stand by that in, in June pitching wins. Uh, I still, until I get proven otherwise, I still think they have the best pitching staff in America and that's what win championships in baseball. Yeah. I mean, when I look at this list, um, Obviously, Rick is close right now. He's close. I don't think Kelly's going to win it this year. I hope she does. I hope they all do. Um, but I, I don't know if Kelly can beat UConn, and then you know she's going to have to play South Carolina at some point. Again, that's that's tough to beat both of those teams within. And at that point, if they play UConn in the Elite Eight, I think South Carolina's on the opposite side of the bracket, if I remember yeah, correctly. They are. Yeah, And so they that are. would be – that would be a championship game matchup. Um, it would be, she showed she could get close in the SEC championship, but that would be beating UConn and South Carolina within one week's time. That's a tough week. And Indiana. Um, yeah. And Indiana. That's right. So, uh, I mean, that that's both of them are obviously extremely close right now. I mean, they're four games away. That's what they are. But, when I think about Tennessee's pitching staff and I think, are they going to have to hit the ball better? 100%. Yes, they are. No doubt about it, but their pitching staff, it's a special group of people as far as like what they, what they're able to do with a baseball is phenomenal. I mean, their, their, their top three guys average high nineties starters, you know, that used to be something you'd only hear about with like closers coming in to throw one inning and throw all they got in one inning. No, no, no. They're consistently high nineties for six and seven innings. That's crazy. Yeah. And then their off speed stuff is just as nasty. So um I think I'm gonna stick with with Tony Vitello right now because I think he's gonna do it this year. Uh 
I think I think we're going to see that this year. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Tony Vitello for now. Uh, let's see. Uh, I do Eli think Kelly Cohen wins talks. it. I do think Kelly wins it next year. She very well might. Um, eating my crow hots, I said he thinks Rick wins it first. I'm assuming. I'm assuming he means this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly second, Tony third, and Josh fourth. Um, oh, the, all of them this year. Okay, I just finished his comment. <laughs> yeah, man, that would be awesome. Uh, all of those, all of those teams winning it this year. Hey, yeah, uh, Danny White <laughs> would get a statue if that happens. That would be amazing. That would be awesome. Vols time said Arkansas blew my mind. All right, do you mean how they beat Kansas? Is that now? I'll tell you what blew my mind was that Rick Eric Musselman taking his shirt off and waving it over his head after the game. What was he thinking? Uh, I mean, that was what just, makes that even was what makes it even better is when he goes in front of the press and says it's all about his players. Really? Yeah. Because you yeah, were just exactly. up in the stand shirtless. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Ian hot sauce said took you long because <laughs> I didn't read the finish, finish the comment. And he said, we can dream. Ab- absolutely, buddy. Amen. We sure can. Hey, let's hope it happens. That'd be awesome. Um, Zach said, uh, last time I said Tony Vitello as well, but at this moment I have to say Rick Barnes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, he's close. He is. He's close. Uh, Vols time said yes about Musselman. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Rick Barnes, he's close. He's close. But one other thing happened today that we absolutely have to talk about. Spring practice started today for the football team. Um, I mean, think about think about what's going on right now. We got softball, baseball, men's and women's basketball in the Sweet 16. Spring football practice is going on. Dudes running faster than a cheetah in the indoor track. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a lot of a lot of awesome stuff happening in Tennessee right now. So one thing we said we were going to do tonight was we we're going to talk about wide receivers and um, uh, tight, tight end. ends. Those are the two things we we're going to talk about this evening. So wide receivers, the most intriguing talent-filled room as far as quantity, because I think if we said pure talent, it'd be the quarterback room. But if we said as far as quantity of talent, man, it is hard to look past the wide receivers room. Uh, Rustin, what are your initial thoughts about the wide receivers this season? Well, I think the most imp- or the most intriguing thing is what Josh Heupel said in his press conference today after practice. Um, Cameron Seldon started with the running backs, um, which was really surprising. Everybody thought he would probably be squirrels back up in the slot um you know he's he's a physical freak um that's a big running back i mean he's he's six three two ten or six two two ten um you know in that offense that's kind of odd for them um it's like derrick he, henry back there yeah he but josh made the comment that they wanted him to learn the pass protections first so you know everything we talked about when we talked about the quarterbacks and running backs um, you know, I said Cameron Seldon might get used as like a Cordero Patterson, Debo Samuel type player. Well, I think that's fully in place now with him starting with the running backs. Um, that kid's going to be special. And, and I think they, I think they like what they see there and they want to try to find a way to get the ball in his hands. 
And so the fastest way to do that is, is that fourth running back and a change of pace back. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. He did make the statement they wanted him to learn the pass protections first before they start before they started sliding him to the perimeter. So clearly they're planning to play him all over the place. Yep. And you took the words right out of my mouth there. You know, as soon as I was thinking when you said that was that just proves they want to get the ball in his hands like that. Yeah. And and to think that's a freshman. The kid should still be a senior in high school right now. He's an early enrollee. And the fact that the coaching staff on the first day of practice are already trying to figure out ways to get the ball in this kid's hands, that should excite everyone. I mean, yep. that, that should excite everyone. But when we think about the wide receivers, um, just Ball said, just great... let the, he yeah, said, just ahead. let the squirrel out and everything will be good. <laughs> I'm telling you, y'all are all excited about squirrel, but I'm telling you, there is so much depth there. And, and honestly, I don't know right now, you know, two years ago, it was Valus. Last year, it was Jalen. I thought it was interesting that Dante Thornton took Jalen's number. He's wearing number 11. Yep. Um, but honestly, I don't know which one of them it's going to be. Um, Brew could have a breakout year and just be an absolute man among boys. Squirrel could, could have a huge year. Dante Thornton everybody raves about his route running and his, his ability to, to get downfield. Um, dudes, every bit as fast as squirrel is and seven inches taller. Think about that. Squirrel is five ten. Dante Thornton is six, five, and they are the same speed. <laughs> well, that was one thing that I was thinking about. And Zach said, Thornton's going to be a beast on the field. Absolutely. You know, that was one thing I was thinking about when you mentioned him was, the, the pure size that Tennessee can put on the field. Uh, oh, Zach said they, they, he, they, he should have retired five and 11. <laughs> Too late. He's um, already got it. So the, 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 the pure size that Tennessee can put on the field at receiver, that's not fair. Like it's just not fair to yeah. other teams when you can put Brew McCoy. If you just go with three and you've got Brew McCoy, Dante Thornton and Ramel Keaton, all on the perimeter. That's not fair. <laughs> so, so I was curious. I thought about this as well when I was thinking through this. So I think there's seven guys that they will be comfortable rotating. Brew is 6'3", 220. Dante is 6'5", 205. Okay. Let's take Squirrel out of the equation because he's just 5'10", 165. The other four guys, Ramel Keaton, Chaz Nimrod, Caleb Webb and Nathan Laycock are all six, three, and they're all between 195 and 200. They are like clones of each other. So it really doesn't matter who plays where. And, and Josh made a comment today in his press conference that Dante is going to play inside and outside. They're going to move him in the slot some. So, you know, six, five running squirrel white speed down the middle of the field. Yeah, there's going to be some safeties playing way downfield. Um, uh -huh. It's it's just, it's pick your poison. And, you know, I said it the other night when we talked about who we thought was going to have a breakout year. I still think it's Ramel Keaton. I think he's the guy who's going to get kind of lost in this. They've been bragging about the fact that he's been on the jugs machine every day. Um, during, during spring break, when everybody else left, Ramel stayed 
so he could sit there all day long and catch balls off the jugs machine. Um, every year from Ramel, yeah, every year from him that, that he had that jugs machine turned up all the way full speed because he said if you can't catch it on full speed, you can't catch Joe. <laughs> yep. But you know, when you look at that guy and you look at every single year since he's been there, every year there's been this steady progression where he's gotten better and better and better. And last year he got to watch Jalen do some of the same things that he's doing right now and get catapulted into the first round of the draft. And he's looking at that going, I'm going to be that guy. Um, yep. Ramel, Ramel has all the ability to be a big time player. And, you know, when you've got squirrel or Dante Thornton in the slot running safeties off and Ramel's coming in underneath them, that means it's going to be him on a linebacker and there aren't many linebackers. They're going to catch him. I so, totally agree. You know, he's, I think he's going to have a massive year. And then again, on the other side of the field, you got brew and it's just, it's, it's going to be, we said it the other day when we talked about the running backs, I don't know how they're going to get all these guys enough balls to keep them happy. Totally agree. I mean, it's totally it, there, agree. There's so many weapons and we haven't even talked about the tight ends yet. And there's two more weapons, maybe three in that group that yep. anybody in the sec would love to have. So we had a few comments come through eating my crow hot sauce said squirrel put on some mass. I think this year's offense will exceed last year's. I agree with that mm -hmm. uh, because it's an embarrassment of riches at the skill positions this year. Yep. Um, I mean, it's just incredible what they have. Um, Zach said, and you know, if, if the receivers aren't open, now you got Joe Milton coming at you, which Joe's bigger than the linebackers on the other teams. <laughs> yep. That's a good point. Um, and he said, good luck with that when Joe's coming at you. Yeah. Uh, Vols time. Uh, he said, bruise the muscle and, and squirrel is the speed. Uh, and, and that's that's another thing you know you got squirrel white back there too running past people um but again as you were talking about squirrel and dante are equal in speed and josh heupel in day one press conference is talking about cam selden yeah that's a I good mean, point what on earth like how it is going to be so much fun to watch. They are going to be so <laughs> insanely explosive and they have so yep. many weapons. And again, think about when all those safeties and DBs push off because they're like, we're not going to get beat deep. And all of a sudden here comes Jabari small. Here comes Jalen, Wright. Here comes Dylan Sampson. And there's no help. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's you know, right. they get a tiny crease and they've got 15 to 20 yards before they ever see a DB. Yep. I mean, it's, they are this offense is going to light the scoreboard up. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. As you were talking about Ramel, Eden Marco Hot Sauce said, I can still see his catch against Florida. Absolutely. Total is beautiful, just beautiful catch. And Zach said, best catch of the year, in my opinion. I totally agree. Totally. Yep. And Eden Marco, he's pumped up. I am too, man. I am too. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. He said, I'm excited. I, I am too. Like when you sit down and really look at this and, you know, it'd be different if like we were sitting here going, oh, they got all these weapons, but the offensive line sucks. So they're not going to be able to use them. No, the offensive line is really good. And so like yeah. every one of these guys are going to get as many touches as they want. Um, Ian Marco Hot Sauce agreed with Zach about Ramel's catch of the year. Um, Zach said we needed Joe Milton for Heisman shirt. 
Uh, so we're, we were talking about that and we're going to do something. We can't use Joe's name because we, we, we can't pay him money yeah. for it. Start uh, creeping but, in NIL. Well, we're not a part of the, uh, the, uh, consortium that he's u- using for his NIL. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I need to email Spire and be like, Hey y'all, <laughs> Did y'all see that mud dweller shirt. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we had somebody get the, uh, the, the force is strong with this team, the Jedi shirt we made, uh, we can't use the word Jedi, but we can say the force is strong with this team. And so we made, we made one of those shirts. It's on the site too. And, uh, Lucas somebody bought one of those the other day. They'll come to your house with Guido. <laughs> <laughs> um, Zach said, I'll be skipping the next seven months to get to football, use a cup of coffee. <laughs> Uh, so I want to mention I want to mention a few numbers here, because this is going to be how I end what what I want to say about the wide receivers, and then, uh, all time said Joe can make the orange go sure. <laughs> um, there's there's if you look at the the roster on utsports.com, and you start with number eighty four, numbers eighty four, eighty five, eighty six, and eighty seven. So four numbers in a row, Caleb Webb, Nathan Laycock, Ethan Davis, and Jacob Warren. Those four numbers right there are going to be four very interesting numbers this year. Yep. Specifically, if we go down to number 81 and add in Chaz Nimrod. Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb are the two people that I'm most intrigued by to see if what's going to happen with them this year. Yep. Because here's the deal. They're both redshirt freshmen. Listen, Nathan Laycock is not going to redshirt this year. That's not happening. Uh, he's too good. So how, just like Rustin said earlier, I mean, my goodness gracious, think about the size and speed they can put on the field at any time at receiver. It's insane. It's, it is an embarrassment of riches. Like I said earlier, this, the pure size and speed they can put on the field. Like we're sitting here talking about Dante Thornton and squirrel, right? Cause they're, they're just so incredibly fast squirrel white and Thornton both are, but Ramel is fast. Too. <laughs> I mean, like we're not even talking about that and Ramel can fly. So is Nathan then- Laycock. Exactly. And then you've got this true freshman coming in, Nathan Laycock, who can fly. And then you've got Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod, who are tall dudes that people were raving about last year. Some of the catches they were making in practice and stuff. How can you get them all the ball? Like that, that's that's Laycock, the, and then, Laycock and then showed got, up. Laycock showed up six three, two hundred. And everybody talked about his frame was the one that had the most potential to add mass. So, you know, after an off season in, in this weight program by next fall, he could easily be six, three, two, 10, two, 15. I mean, he's, he's going to be a monster. That's brew McCoy size. Yeah. And then you think about, um, Oh, I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, well, can't even remember. Um, but I was sitting, you know, we're talking about Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb. Mm-hmm. So these two guys, the, the, the question becomes, they know that Brew and 
Ramel, and maybe even Dante potentially are all gone after this year. Um, we know Ramel will be this is last year. <clears throat> I think it's Bruce last year eligibility. He might have one left after this. I can't remember. But if Brew has any kind of year that we think he will have, even if he just demonstrates that he is your possession receiver and when you need a catch, you throw it to him. His his size and and physical frame and stuff and the fact that he 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 doesn't get out muscled for a catch. Uh, he we saw that against Alabama last year. Um, he does not get. We saw that against Clemson in the Orange Bowl last year. Those two guys they're gone after this year. If Dante has any kind of year that we think he's going to have, he's gone after this year. Uh, he'll be a, he'll be a top you know three four round draft pick, so he'll be gone too. So that leaves people that are probably going to get consistent playing time at receiver this year coming back would be uh, Squirrel White and Nathan Laycock. So now we get to Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod. What are they going to do? Are they going to understand that they too can be a Brew McCoy and a Dante Thornton and have one to two good years in this system and they're going to get drafted? Being able to, I mean, look at, look at Jalen Hyatt, uh, you know, having seen these guys do that, Cedric Tillman, same thing. Having Bayless. seen these. Bayless, Bayless absolutely. Nobody even talking about him to a third round pick. Yeah, absolutely. So having seen that success that you can be drafted using just one to two years worth of experience in this offense to show that, will they say, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and uh and wait their time after this year and then have it be their job to lose next year or are they going to get antsy and are they going to leave i hope after seeing the success of the, those who have come before them they stay because here's the deal the 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 cupboard's being replenished as well like jj harrell he's coming <laughs> he's coming next year uh that dude's not going to be sitting next year well let's just be straight up front about that right now he's going to be on the field as a true freshman just yeah. like Nathan Laycock's going to be on the field as a true freshman. Uh, just like Squirrel White was on the field as a true freshman. So it's it, – goodness gracious, the wide receiver's room is – Wide receiver like, U is back. Oh, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, like, if you're, if you're Joey Halsey and you've got all of these weapons, he's like a kid in a candy store right now, man. He's just <laughs> – He's yep. just like, I could give it to that guy or that guy or that guy or that guy. And they'll all win every time. Like, you know, I mean, what a tremendous, tremendous thing he's got going. Um, so you might with hot sauce said, don't forget the old line. That Russian fella is a solid mass of D9 cat power. Um, let's see, Zach Cole Kubelik said, actually Cole Kubelik actually echoed that when he was on the show. He he talked about um, the transfer from Texas. Yeah, he talked about Andre yeah. and said he felt like he would be an absolute starter. Absolutely. Um, Zach said, I don't trust anyone with the name Nimrod. Volstown, <laughs> uh, hey, Volstown, we appreciate that, man. He turned his notifications on and knowing we're going live. I appreciate that so much. Uh, let's see. Volstown uh, also said, I'm betting on Tennessee into the Final Four. Now, after that, it's a toss up. 
I think that's a pretty good bet at this point. Um, it's it's not going to be an easy road in Madison Square Garden. Florida Atlantic's good. Like they they are. They're good. Should Tennessee beat them? Yeah, especially inside. Kansas State is even better than than Florida Atlantic. Kansas State's don't for real. Like no, they're over really good. Though. And Michigan State, absolutely. I mean, you got Tom Izzo in your same Izzo bracket. In, so Izzo in March. You just don't don't ever discount him. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's a trim. If you got tickets to Madison Square Garden, you got some good games ahead of you. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Zach said spring game, which is October the 15th. It's not October. Good grief. April the 15th. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he said, Nico and Joe, who throws more touchdowns? Gaston Moore. Ah, <laughs> you're going to, so Rustin's saying, they're going to let Joe and Nico get out there for about a quarter, show off their arms, and then be like, all right, Gaston, take it over, buddy. <laughs> it's going to be very short. It's going to be very vanilla, and everybody's going to get to ooh and ah at a couple of deep balls, and then they'll be done for the day. <laughs> Man, and that's another thing that we haven't even mentioned yet, but you know, we're sitting here talking about this wide receiver group, and we all know, all listen, all of America knows last year the, the weakest – or weakest position group on Tennessee's team was a defensive secondary. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Um, talk about, you know, people, coaches throughout history have said you make practice harder than the game so that when you get in the game, it's easy. Okay. Ain't nobody got harder at practice right now than Tennessee's secondary. Let me tell you that. <laughs> They're like, they Man, we got to try to catch them. these guys again today. Yeah, they will be battle tested. There will be no one they face that will be any remotely close to as hard as practice is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, hey, I like that idea. My crow hot sauce said, Hey, how about all of us hit the like button? I totally agree with that. That's a great idea. <laughs> Text a buddy too. Share share this with them. Let's get to the tight ends here. So our last our uh, our last position group that we're going to talk about tonight are tight ends. Now, in my opinion, there are three names that everybody needs to be aware of because it's these three names that you're going to see repeatedly uh, on the field. One is McAllen Castles. Uh, he is a transfer this year. I'll let Rustin talk about him in a second. Uh, Jacob Warren, obviously, coming back. Uh, he, this will be his sixth year uh, with Tennessee. Uh, so, obviously, you got a veteran presence there. Um, a physical person in Jacob Warren. Smart person in Jacob. Smart, you know, football smart. Um, and then Ethan Davis, who is uh, a true freshman out of Atlanta, Georgia. So, Rustin, what are your thoughts about that position group coming into the 2023 season? I think you'll actually see four tight ends this year, and if anybody gets hurt, you'll see a fifth. Um, I think Josh Heupel has clearly set the tone that he has two different types of tight ends, he has a true inline tight end, and Jacob Warren can kind of be a flex guy. He can slide out in the slot too, but he really likes to keep Jacob more in line. And then he has more of a hybrid H back type tight end, and that was more what Princeton Fant ran this past year. Colin, Colin, bleh, McCallum. To your point, to your point, Princeton Fant took handoffs. Like mm -hmm. he, I mean, he he was. I think an H back is a very fair. Mm -hmm. position description for him 
So McAllen Castles is is basically like a really large fullback. He's 6'5", 235. Um, they'll use him as an H-back. They'll flex him out some in the slot. He'll be an extra blocker on screens. Um, but he can go catch it. Um, he's actually a really good receiver. He's on a lot of NFL draft boards. Um, a lot of people felt like he was the absolute best player they got in the portal. Um, and that he has a massive ceiling. And NFL teams are very interested in him. So I think you'll see him get moved around a lot. They'll find creative ways to get him the ball in space and, and just let him go be a bulldozer. Um, I think they'll use Jacob Moore and like they did this year as an inline blocker and then on play action, a guy releasing up the seam. Um, you know, he's he's six six, two fifty. Um, think about this when you've got all these big receivers who can all get vertical in a hurry. Who does that leave to cover Jacob Warren? Normally a tight end. So, you know, you've got 6'6", 250 releasing, releasing, um, you know, on tight end or uh, linebackers all over the field. It's a tough cover for them, especially when they have to stay home for a second because Tennessee's running backs are so good. Um, right. So I, I think you're probably going to see Jacob Warren have a massive year just because there's nobody left to cover him. Um, I think I think he'll be weirdly open, similar to the way Jalen Hyatt was this year. I think you'll see him be weirdly open at times where you're like, where did the defense go? Um, but they're just picking their poison, and and he's going to be just standing there alone. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned that they have to the linebackers have to freeze a second because every time Tennessee, you know, does play action with the for, even from the gun and they fake that handoff there the linebackers have to freeze for one second to make sure they yeah. don't hand it off. And in that one second, Jacob Warren gets, has a step, any of them, any of them would have a step on that linebacker and it just takes one step. Yep. Um, and that, you're exactly right. I mean, you think about, you got these dynamic weapons on the per, perimeter on the outside of the, the, the field lined up, goodness, 20, 30 yards away from the center lined up out outside the hash marks outside of the numbers even. And these poor safeties in the middle of the field, they're having to decide, well, where am I going to go? <laughs> like if I go way out there, the middle of the field is wide open, um, but they're going to have to decide. And so, you know, here's Joe faking a handoff, freezing the linebackers for a split second. And that's all it takes for, Jacob Warren or McAllen Castles or whoever to get one step that they need on him. And then right over, like you said, right up the seam, right over the middle. And we saw that happen a few times last year. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, it's just, it's pick your poison. If you're a defensive coordinator trying to game plan for Tennessee's offense, yeah. I, I would hate to be that person trying to game plan against this offense. So anyway, I think you got two different positions. And if we were to look at the depth chart of both, the kind of hybrid H back receiver, tight end is going to be McAllen Castles first and then Ethan Davis, who is almost a clone of him. They're almost identical in size, um, you know, right, right after him as a true freshman. And I think we'll see Ethan some, I think they'll try to find ways to get him on the field. And then the other side is the true inline tight end. And that'll be Jacob Warren first. And then Hunter Salmon second. Um, we saw Hunter some this past year. They like using him as an extra blocker. Um, he's a, he's, he's a, he's a great blocker. He's a good, aggressive kid, true tight end. And then I'm going to say one other name 
if there's an injury, I believe we'll see this kid. Um, I think they would probably like to redshirt him this year so that he is ready next year. But Charlie Browder is a kid that they recruited to Central Florida. Uh, he ended up playing for Gus Malzahn. He transferred last year, didn't, didn't get to play at all, um, just kind of sat and waited his time. Um, but Charlie's a huge kid. He's 6'7", 250, um, built very similar to Jacob Warren, really good hands, and he's just kind of biding time waiting on Jacob to graduate. And, and if somebody gets injured, I would not be surprised at all if we see Charlie Browder earlier than, than expected. Once again, you got a lot of really dynamic options there and a lot of big options yeah. there. That's what's so incredible about this, this offense that we're talking about. All these people we've mentioned, that their size is impressive. It's imposing. Yep. Um, and then, you know, you say, well, what about Squirrel White? He's the only person we've talked about who's not, you know, over six foot in, in all the different receivers and tight ends we talked about. And he can just run right back. Listen, they can't tackle you if they can't catch you. <laughs> yeah. And so Coach Heifel actually commented on that in his press conference today. One of the media guys asked a question. I can't remember what the question was, but his response was, well, you were out there. You saw us. We're, you know, we're physically bigger than probably what you've seen since we've been here. Um, you know, we've recruited size. We're a lot bigger. We look the part, um, you know, so clearly physically he's looking at the field and going, okay, we've, we've gotten a lot bigger. We're, we're, we're physically imposing now. Absolutely. Uh, Vols time. So this could be the year Tennessee makes it back to the SEC championship game and football with the schedule we have. Totally agree. 100% agree. Um, you know, they've got a favorable schedule in that Florida. Yes, they have to go to Gainesville, but Florida's down. Like they're they're not gonna be as good as they were this year. Uh they're oh you know, they had to bring in Miami just upset Indiana. Indiana's out of the women's tournament. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, Florida, they brought in Graham Mertz from Wisconsin to be their quarterback because they were desperate trying to find somebody. Um the absolute best thing that's happened to the East in a long time is Todd Munkin taking the Ravens OC job. Yeah, absolutely. We we all would rather play Mike Bobo than Todd Munkin. Absolutely. So I mean, you know that that game is favorable. Uh, if, if they have to go to Tuscaloosa, which is not going to be an easy game at all, uh, I think you know every Alabama player and fan, and especially Nick Saban, is going to have that game circled on their their calendar. Side note, if you haven't seen Nick Saban's comments today, I retweeted it from the <laughs> Volbros earlier. It is very interesting. Maybe you a little know, bit of trouble in paradise. You know Alabama's AD was freaking out when he said yeah, that. Yeah, buddy. Um, <laughs> somebody replied. I, I retweeted SEC Mike's uh, tweet about it. Somebody replied back, and it was the Alabama PR guy right now. And it was going – Nothing to see here, and everything's blowing up behind him. That that GIF, you know, nothing to see here. <laughs> for those of you um, who yeah. didn't, for those of you who didn't see it, Nick Saban was asked in a press conference today about <laughs> about his player who was arrested on gun and drug charges a few days ago, and they suspended him indefinitely today. And when he was asked about it at the press conference, he made the comment that there's no such thing as wrong place at the wrong time. Yep. 
which is a and, little and, too coincidental to the comments Nate Oak made. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And to Saban's credit, he was he made a great point. He said, you know, you have to make decisions in life with whom you're going to surround yourself and who you're going to choose to be near and in strategic times. And he did not make good decisions. And so that and then he said, there, there is no such thing as wrong place at wrong time. And I was like, woo, buddy. <laughs> um, but so, you know, they, obviously that's going to be a really difficult game in Tuscaloosa, but that doesn't impact whether or not Tennessee goes to the SEC championship or not for one more year. Uh, this will be the last year that we have divisions in the SEC. And so when you look at the East, Tennessee's most difficult game will be Georgia, and they get Georgia at home. Very interesting. So I totally agree with Vols time. This could be the year. Uh, they get South Carolina early in the year at home. And you know every Tennessee player and coach and fan is going to have that game circled. So it could be the year. Uh, he said Alabama's trying to game plan for Tennessee right now. <laughs> you better believe it. That's exactly right. Uh, he's not I joking. They really are. I guarantee you when the announcement was made that the new offensive coordinator at Georgia was Mike Bobo, there were a lot of defensive coaches all over the SEC that were doing a happy dance in their office. Because Absolutely. He is the most predictable play caller. He's 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 not creative at all. Um it's not going to be hard to beat that guy. Well, and to Vols Time's point here, we know, like all of us know, that Nick Saban is already thinking about Tennessee's offense because of the proposed rule changes he tried to get the SEC to pass and yeah. the NCAA to pass. Uh, if, if people aren't aware, there's a proposed rule that would actually make the clock uh, stop after um, – or no, no, no. What was it? It was maybe it was the clock wouldn't stop after a first down or something like that. Yeah, he wanted to go. He wanted to go with the NFL rule that the clock ran no matter what. Um, which would which would eliminate ten plays a game. Yeah, it would shorten the game to keep offenses off the field more in that situation, and so um, it, it would not give them time to. Uh, hurry up and get up to the line while the clock was stopped while they're moving the chains up. The clock would be running while the chains are moving. And so it would, you know, potentially shorten the game. Uh, and obviously no, that would hurt teams. Got, no, they've got data on that. Um, the NFL, when they went to that rule, they tracked how much it shortened the games. And it was an average of 10 plays per team. It took 20 yeah. plays off the game. And when you consider Tennessee's offense, I mean, let's be honest, 10 plays could equal two to three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, let's, we're being honest here. Um, so, Ball's Time said Nick Saban's afraid of the orange juice. <laughs> Agreed. He absolutely uh, is. It's the same yeah. issue he ran into when Gus Malzahn was at Auburn. He does not like no huddle offenses, he can't handle it. And uh, Edom Michael Hotz, I said that Tennessee is bigger and deeper this year. Uh, Zach said his battery's going dead. I got to sign off. Good night, VFL. Hey, Zach, we appreciate you joining us, man, very much. So, as we mentioned, between tight ends and wide receivers and running backs, the skill positions are absolutely – and quarterbacks. <laughs> the skill positions are absolutely loaded. Those are the four positions we've done so far in our position previews. Uh, we will do that. We'll 
continue to do those. Uh, and we appreciate uh, Ginger Marvelous Mouse Travels, GingerMMT.com being our sponsor for the position preview series. Uh, so we appreciate that. You can find her uh, YouTube channel at youtube.com slash GingerMMT. And there's her website, GingerMMT.com. Totally free uh, to book a trip with her because you actually pay if you go to like Sandals and Beaches or Universal or Disney, you're actually paying for a travel agent, whether you use one or not they build the price of the travel agent into their pricing so if you just book on your own they just pocket the money that they would have given to the travel agent so that's why her services are free to you um but we so appreciate everybody joining us uh email call hot sauce said good night fellas hey good night buddy we appreciate you joining us as well it's always good to see you um next time we go live my guess well man the nine o'clock game time is killing me <laughs> yeah because i mean we'll be up but it's kind of hard to go live at 11 o'clock. Not many folks are making it that, that late. No. So I guess probably, I guess Saturday will be the next time uh, we go live. Vols time. We appreciate you, man, so much. Thank you for sharing our show. We, we so appreciate that. Vols time texted a buddy and we appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you so much. You are the man. Um, so we'll probably go live Saturday, but these position preview videos I'm going to put those out and we'll make some reels. I'm going to try to do something each day this week uh, and we'll get something out there each day. So we so appreciate everybody joining us, man. This is so much fun. I mean, it's a blast. Uh, I think you can tell we have so much fun doing this. And uh, the best part about it is when y'all comment and, and we really appreciate it. So if you haven't already, we love it. If you subscribe to our channel, uh, we love it. If you'd share just like balls time did share this channel with other people and uh, grab your, uh, your mud dweller shirt at thevolbros.com. <laughs> so we appreciate it so much. Thank you all so much for joining us. We hope everybody has a really good evening. Go Vols.